Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, Brett. How are you? I'm well. And you, Jeff? I'm fantastic. Second podcast of the day today for us. Wow. We're doing two in a row. Double header. How are you uh, feeling about that? I feel good. It's 318 and I'm drinking coffee. So normally Uh-oh. I'm off Uh-oh. coffee by now. So beware. Watch out, Jolly. Beware. It's anyone's <laughs> game. I don't Uh-oh. know where this could take us. So, Brett, we talked a little bit about the new year. And I'm curious what you learned in 2023. You must have learned some lessons and Oh, there's so many. Maybe, I don't think we have maybe enough time. Something Our guest wanna, is going to fall asleep. want to share one thing you learned last year that you want to either do, do differently or do better or change in 2024? Oh, God, there's so many. I'd say two. One, which I've committed to 2024 is I am going to not fake it anymore with Spanish. I am actually going to try to learn a little bit better to learn the language. Wow, yes, I like it. I've committed to that. I've downloaded and I started on Duolingo. Nice. Yes. All right. And I would say, take a deep breath. You learned to take a deep breath? Yes. Did you actually learn that last year or you learned that you need I mean, like breathing is an is involuntary, obvious. right? Of so course. I do that all the time. But I mean, I don't mean f- just sort of just taking a deep breath, right? I mean, there's a lot that goes around that. But it's taking a deep breath and understanding that everything is about part of the journey, right? And that there are times that are going to be stressful. And Lord knows we've been through that, right? In the last, we're coming up on 15 years. Crazy. Uh, 15 years. But you've got a solid foundation and a solid plan that it's going to work out. Nice. I like it. That sounds good to me. Are we done here? We're done. Can I, I like with the podcast? Yeah, I think. I mean, our, I just, uh, I should just, we talk? I we have a guest down. sitting here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Our yeah. guest today is Dan Landsman. Dan Landsman has an extensive career in the marketing industry. After years as a national account manager in insurance, he founded One Touch Marketing, which specialized in email marketing and data. And the company grew significantly under his leadership. And ultimately in 2008, he successfully negotiated its sale of that company to another company, Options Media. And he served as a president and a board member there. And then in 2011, he became a partner at BMI Elite, focusing also on internet marketing, lead generation, and database marketing. That company evolved into Site Impact, where he served as CEO and he introduced a unique product called Email Enhanced. You're going to have to explain that one. And in 2021, he sold his interest in Site Impact in a multi-million dollar deal. He's semi-retired, but he works as a consultant and a business coach, and he's serving as a general manager and an early investor in an app called Link Me. Maybe he'll tell us about that one. He's also writing a book on real-world entrepreneurial challenges. It's called Building Without Blueprints, Navigating the Challenges of Real-World Entrepreneurship. I like that title. And Dan actively participates in organizations such as Entrepreneurs Organization or EO, and he volunteers as a mentor for early stage businesses through the Venture Mentoring Team. Welcome, Dan. We are happy to have you. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be here. Welcome. Does that, uh, sometimes we read the bio and people are like, wow, is that me? Yeah, it's true. Did you you have that reaction? It's a little bit. I mean, I was there for all of it, so uh, it's all true. It's been a long, interesting road. It's pretty amazing what you've accomplished. And I remember when I first met you, you gave us a tour of your office. This is probably 10 years ago or eight years ago. And 
there were at least a dozen businesses in that office. Like there was, that were running. And I was like, are these are all yours. And you were like, yeah. And I'm like, and I looked at him and go, this is a real entrepreneur. This guy is a truly an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Well, back that time we had a lead generation company, an affiliate marketing company. So what that is, for those who don't know, it's uh, we were basically a central yeah, hub. Thank you. That's me. For, that was me. For, for the lawyers out there listening <laughs> thank to this you. podcast. <laughs> right. We're the central hub that matched people that wanted to buy leads, that needed leads, and people that could generate leads. Say you're an alarm company like ADT and you've got a form and you put the form out there and we put that out to affiliates or people that drive traffic to the form. Mm-hmm. They fill out a lead and they get paid. And what happened through that process was we met a lot of some more friends or acquaintances and some more startups, and we did some joint ventures with people. So we would bring them into our office, we'd form this partnership, we would handle all the back end and marketing and accounting and so forth and let them run the business. And we thought we were super smart and really entrepreneurial and we'd have all all these businesses doing different things, so we weren't pigeonholed into one thing. And some of them were good, some of them were fair. Some of them were not great at all. And I know you know the story, but we, I was listening to a speaker and now this term's been out there for a while, but at the time, this is probably six, seven years ago, I'd never heard it before. And said, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And yeah, now again, I, and I thought to myself, you're absolutely right. We're doing all this stuff. That's really not helping the, the bottom line. And it looks good and it sounds great and it's exciting, but let's be the very best at our core business. Let's put our our tech guys in that instead of building out four or five different platforms and be the very best at one thing, then being really good at that and being okay at all this other stuff. Yeah. So I went to this, it was an EO speaker and I came back and I'm like, all right, we're done with all this stuff. And that tends to happen sometimes. I come back I'm like, all right, here's what we're doing. Right. And, um, you learned something new like, and now you want to apply it. Yeah, right. it's like my staff knows. I, I got a, you know, a hair that drives me to do something. And we gave businesses back to people. We sold things off. We closed things. And it really turned out to be the best thing we did because it really, then we started to really grow our business that had sort of hit a ceiling at that time, and there's one that was big enough to grow on its own, but the rest, they just weren't worth it. And right. so I hear people that have all these businesses, or you hear about Elon Musk, the world that have, I mean, how you can have like a Tesla and a SpaceX and is amazing to me, but you can't. looking, it's tough. You, you have to, you absolutely have to have the right people in the right seats mm-hmm. for all those things because you can't do it all. And looking back, we didn't have the right people in the right seats at that time. I always love the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. But I wonder if that statement would have even meant anything to you if you didn't have so many things going on. Mm -hmm. You might have heard that before that or some other time. And then you heard that and and suddenly it just clicks and you're like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Anytime you're working on it, in your case, 10 things or whatever, you're giving each of them 10% or maybe you're allocating 20 or 30 to one, but no matter what, you can't give 100% to all these things at the same time. And I think with all those things, you know, when you go, you read this book or see the speaker, it's all about timing. It's very rarely do you hear somebody say something that, oh my God, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. I've never thought about that before. Usually, right. Usually, but it's, maybe it's, it's hearing it the third time where it catches on, or it's just the timing where I'm really ready to really hear it, not just listen to it, but hear it. And it sparks 
that change that you've probably been thinking about anyway. And so, and that's really what it is, that timing of, it prompts you for what's already somewhere back in your brain to do whatever it is you're 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 a different person at that time, right? Yeah. I would say that maybe having all of those things led you to look and focus on what the main thing was, right? I mean, a different way to look at it, right? Instead of coming back, oh, we made a mistake. Maybe having all of those things led you to sit back and refocus and say, wait, hold on, this is our core. Let's get rid of everything else. Because Mm -hmm. if you didn't have everything else, maybe you'd be out there searching and not focusing, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It makes you sure. It's like, this is the woman I want to be with. This is, you know. Right, this is the business. This is what we're good at. We're not, we've tried that. We're not good at that. Let's focus on this, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, it's not that dissimilar to a lot of lawyers. I mean, that have small practices that sometimes we call them door lawyers and because they have to take anything that comes in the door. They don't really focus in a particular area. They may be a good technical lawyer, but they're not known in any particular area or niche, right? Mm -hmm. Because they just don't focus. And it's just not that dissimilar, uh, think, to what you're what you're talking about. I think it's there's value in learning what not to do, you know, yeah. what you don't want to do or whatever. Like my daughter went to a, an art school high, in high school. She studied architecture for four years or three years, and at the end of three years, she's like, I don't want to be an architect. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? Thank God she learned that at that point. You know, <laughs> you might have spent six more years grad school and all the other things, and yeah. then learned what you don't want to do. And so there's <laughs> value in learning what you don't want to do. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Imagine your first year and working as an architect after all that. You like, right. realize, I need to figure something else out. Exactly. So anyway, all right. So you started all that. You started Site Impact, or did you start Site Impact, or you joined it I didn't. Early? I joined my I mean, was- old sales manager at my prior company. He had left. And when Options Media was really had run its course, I was going to leave and figure something else out and Mm -hmm. happened to meet up with him. And we always worked well together. And he was open not quite a year and and starting up. And we decided it would, uh, let's do it together. Let's figure out a partnership and go forward. And I I knew we always worked well together. I knew we'd be a good team. And it really worked out great. And it's always easier the second time. Oh, yeah. Every, every... Right. You pay all the dummy taxes the first time around, and then it's significantly easier the second time. It's not that it's easier, it's that you're better at it. It's kind of like parenting. Fair. Like with the second kid, it's a little easier. Like I'm de- it's not that the kid's easier. I'm just a better parent. I'm yeah. just much better at this. Well, right. Or you just stop caring. <laughs> Some, <laughs> you know, combination. Of, right. Some combination. Some combination. Pacifiers on the floor. Yeah, whatever. Second rule. Right. right, exactly. Right. The <laughs> yeah, first child, it's a three-second rule. The second child's 15 seconds. The third child's like just eventually. <laughs> whatever. Just whatever. Whatever. You, you find, find it, you it. pick it up. Right. Exactly. You rub some dirt on it. I, okay. I, I'm, a, I'm a testament to that because I'm the fourth kid, and I basically just did whatever I wanted. Like, they were done by then. They were like, oh, whatever. He'll be fine. He'll figure it out. And you did. Yeah, I mean, I did. Yeah, due dates on packages, like, doesn't matter, Jeff. You know what I mean? doesn't matter how long it's been oh, in the fridge. Oh, I can't eat anything. You know what I mean? So yes. that's, to me, that's the fourth kid left to his own devices. <laughs> just, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. <laughs> exactly. That is my... Uh, hungry now. <laughs> my approach yeah, to there's life. something in gone. the refrigerator. So, uh, hey, yeah, looks like food. So you exited, and I'm curious about, we always hear about entrepreneurial exits and... You know, yours was a successful one. You did well. But that business is still out there. And I don't know if it's growing or how it's doing. I'm just curious what that's like for you when you step away from a business and you still get to see it grow or do whatever it's doing. Is there Mm -hmm. any sort of, do you have seller's remorse or anything like that, emotions that follow that? Well, going back to the second time is better. 
you know, when I, I sold one touch marketing options media and that didn't go so well. It's a whole different set of circumstances and as a motivated to do something. Stop. Meaning the sale didn't go so well, or the, the the sale didn't go so well for uh, the buyer for the sale. You mean for well for me the just seller, in general, okay? Because it was a lot of it was a little bit of cash. It was a lot of stock, and I think everyone went into it with best of intentions and everything. We worked hard and tried. It just didn't really work out. It was a public company, and looking back, I made a lot of mistakes. But I just, I just you learned no, yeah, you learned yeah. And then the second time, which was two years ago, yeah, it was look, it was a matter of for me. The timing was right, and valuations were high, and the company was doing well. We're still growing, and so we went about doing it what you know we thought was the right way. We hired the right attorney. We put together our financials in the data room and mm. got our contracts together, and we went through the process, which is something a lot of businesses don't do. So often, I hear from people like, "Well, oh, you know, I wasn't really thinking about selling, but this company came along and they made me an offer," and then you go ahead and you do it. And it's and look, it can be great, but it's generally not where you get your best valuation. Right. So we do this, we hire the banker, and they put together the process and and the bid goes out and they have their whole their system. And we start doing pitches and pitches and pitches. And we get about halfway through that process. And then this was in 2020, and then mm. COVID hits. So oh, yeah. that kind of killed <laughs> that process. The momentum. And, but and even it, just going through the process, I mm-hmm. imagine, was that process probably teaches you a lot about your business, the blind spots, things like that. Sure. And, and it also, I was always surprised by the questions some of these private equity guys asked. And when at the first meeting or two, I'm like, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, why are they asking on this? Asking this question? Why are they focused on this topic? Why is they pressing down this road? That's not really that important. And then I realized, this guy went to Stanford. This guy went to Harvard. This guy went to Yale. <laughs> right. And I'm like, maybe these guys do know something. You know? But I really started putting some thought into their questions. And I'm like, you know what? They're right. This is something I need to have more thought into. And mm-hmm. this is a blind spot of the business and our sales, pro- whatever it was they're digging into. So it was definitely helpful. And then right. we went out again after recovering from COVID. And it was, again, we most definitely. of that work was already done. When you started so. the business, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs think this way, were you thinking of eventually building it for an exit? Or you didn't even think that way until at some point in time when you said, oh, maybe it's time to sell? I wasn't thinking that way up front. I mean, mm-hmm. it's always in the back of your mind that this could be a thing after going through an exit once. But mm-hmm. really, I was... It's like, okay, it's, I need to support my family. Make money. To and make it, money. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I need to get this off the ground. I need to make sure this works. And I just didn't have that forethought of like, okay, we're going to structure this way. We're going to write these kind of contracts because that'll look better. And a lot of that's fixable down the road. I mean, there's some things that are bigger fixes than others. But when we really started to make the decision and started to hire the right people and go down that road and creating the data room, there were definitely things we had to fix. We changed some of our contracts. We buttoned up some loose ends we didn't have. And it takes time. So I tell people that want to go down this road of selling their company, like you really have to give yourself a year, minimum. If you want to do it right, it is a year and probably longer. It can be shorter, but... It's Long, quicker right, is not always right. better. Well, and that's from some time when you have 
the books and records yes. and everything in order because yeah. that in and of itself, sometimes they're creating the books, not creating the books, but creating the reporting that's going to be necessary. And we were a pretty well buttoned up company at that time with systems and processes and accounting right. and all that and audited financials. And so those are things, you know, that mm-hmm. look, it's Thanks. the more buttoned up you are, the more comfortable your buyer is, the more comfortable your buyer is, the more they're willing to pay you. Yeah. Sure. Well, and I love the fact that you guys went out and hired consultants, lawyers, consultants that, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of small business entrepreneurs, like, yeah, I'm selling a business. Yeah. I know my business. I don't, you know, yeah, you know your business, but you don't know how to sell your right. business. Right. So I love the fact that you guys did that because that to me, number one is going to get you guys the information you need. But number two, I think it's going to tell the outside world of prospective buyers, well, these guys are legit and they know what they're doing, right? Exactly. It gives everyone comfort. Even you as the seller, like you just said, the process makes you feel comfortable that you got the right value, the right deal. But I agree. It just, it certainly lends a little bit of a certain level of credibility. And I think a lot of the ones that pass on it, say, oh, I don't want to pay whatever 3% is. I don't know what the typical fee is these days, but 3%. And it's like, look, if they're going to bring in 20% more and take 3%, you're better off, you know, or 10% more, 4% more, you're better off. It's the easiest commission you'll pay because not only are they going to find more people Mm -hmm. to present to you, but the prep work they put us through of telling the story of your company and there was a dip here and there's a loss there. And why was this? And let's frame the story, honestly, of what it is and how it is. But there's a way to frame a story of how something happened. I have to tell you guys that. Um, (laughs) So like that process was really valuable. And then, and thinking through these things and they know what buyers want to see and how to see it, that I don't think that way. So Mm -hmm. yeah, if they're not going to get you three to 4% more on your deal, then they're you hired the wrong people. Right. Right. Yeah. And how was that process? I mean, did you interview different consultants? Because obviously it's the same thing as hiring a lawyer. A lot of times you want to talk to a lawyer. There's got to be a fit personality wise and thought process. So -hmm. did you go through that? I mean, or was it just, Hey, we found the right person for our industry. Tell us a little bit about that. We interviewed lawyers and we interviewed Mm -hmm. accountants. We interviewed the brokers, but for us, it was a combination of, it was really helpful for me. The one we ended up going with were, they knew our business. Mm-hmm. And just them understanding, because it's not a cut and dry business for what we did. It's a little bit unique. And the questions they asked and the people they knew and having worked in that space before, in my mind, gave them a huge leg up. They knew the buyers for that space. I think all these guys know the yeah. big people out there and it's not that unique. But not have you know versus we talked to someone that was a good banker, a good broker, but started asking me like for you guys lawyers, like, so how do you bill and who how do you get your clients? And it's like starting from the very ground up was just it's gonna take too long to get this yeah. person up to speed where they can intelligently talk on our behalf. So for us, having industry experience we thought was really important. And also I don't want to be the smallest uh, of their clients. Of their clients. Right. And I also yeah. want to be the biggest. Correct. Right. So right. Right. it's right. it's That's being in that point. sweet sweet spot where I'm important to them and but not, not you know, like bigger than anything not like, they've oh ever my, yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's right. a great that's an excellent point. And I and I think that's certainly true for a lawyer, you know, a lawyer or a law firm, selecting a lawyer or a law firm, but it's so much in a fit. I just had this conversation with a client 
the other day referring them to another lawyer. And they were like, I don't know. I just, they didn't like the way the lawyer talked to them. And I said, you know what? You need to be comfortable with them. And if you're not comfortable with the way they're talking to you, then let's find you somebody else. Like there's a lot of, there are a lot of lawyers out there. So I think a lot of people just don't get that. They're so unfamiliar with that, you know, Mm -hmm. the idea of hiring a lawyer and same thing, you know, with hiring a banker that they go with whoever somebody recommends or no no one at all. It's tough hiring lawyers because in this case, maybe you didn't like the way that person spoke to you, but they could be the perfect for the job. And so when you're hiring somebody where you're not an expert in that field, it is tricky. And I've been on the other side of that, on the side of like, is this the right person for us? And, and I've hired some Fortunately, I had one lawyer who did our business the whole, almost the whole time, but occasionally we had to hire different people and sometimes they worked out great and sometimes they didn't. As a business owner who hires lawyers, is there any, uh, are there any sort of do's or don'ts, that, any advice you would give to lawyers out there? Because you're the client, you're, yeah. you know, you're a proverbial client. If something, I, if there is something that. I, I think the things that I look for is one, I, I want somebody with a cool head when it's a case against somebody, right, yeah, contracts and stuff like that. But if there's some negotiating, I really want someone with a cool head that will lower the temperature in the room right. and help get things resolved. And so that's a personality right trait. Here. Red Amron. <laughs> Go ahead. That I look for. And someone that takes an interest in what we're doing. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Back when I was in the lead gen business, I won't get too deep in the weeds of the story, but we um we had a client that we were doing great business with and things were picking up and they said we really need you to do more we want we want more 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 quality is great so we thought about it thought it through and long story short we said okay we can do this for you but we need to be your exclusive vendor and we're going to and they wanted higher qualified leads so we literally went out we started a separate business for this a subsidiary and started a call center and really went all in into doing this for them Long story short, we find out months later that they did the same deal with three other lead generators. And hmm. because three of us were going out in the market, it, none of us were able to perform the way we otherwise could. And we had to hire a lawyer out of state because they were in Utah. And we're talking to them, and they just kind of like got to matter of fact, okay, you're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and blah, blah, and so on and so forth. And we're about done, and, and I'm like, guys, I... I just need to let you know that I want you to understand that we were really wronged here. Like we spent all this money. We hired 20 people. We signed a lease. We bought furniture. We did a phone system. We did all these things exclusively for this client based on this contract. And, and exclusivity was the core of it. Without the exclusivity, we knew it never would have worked. Right. And they intentionally went and breached. they didn't yeah. care. They just they wanted breached. more leads and they breached. And like, they, I thought it was important for them to know that they maybe it didn't make a difference to them. They're going to go and you know do whatever they were going to do, regardless. But it was important to me that they knew this wasn't. There's so many right. frivolous lawsuits. Sure. So many people, I'm going to sue and you're going to sue and blah blah. Like this wasn't that. This was a case where we were really wronged. We spent a lot of money for it, and because of their breach, it didn't work. And now, now I'm firing 20 people. And I've got this furniture I don't need and this lease I need to try and get out of. Like, it was, you know, yeah. it was far from frivolous. And these attorneys, it wasn't important If they to them cared, they didn't show you that they cared. Correct. And you wanted someone 
to support your sense of injustice. Like Correct. you wanted someone to, yeah, you want to be heard. You and now heard. we've had this a conversation we have all the time. Some clients want to be heard, they want to be heard by their lawyer, but they, you know, and that's the lawyer's job is to <clears throat> go to court and speak for them, allow you to be heard in a way. But apathy is, I think, a common, you know, problem for lawyers that, it's yeah, just that's like another case, and I need to file this motion and do. Yeah, and like right. I said, maybe it wouldn't have changed what they were going to do, but, but I, they could at least listen to you right? and know and where I'm coming you, right? from yeah. and yeah. why right. we're doing what we're yeah, doing. Show it's important, right? Yeah, yeah. But look, I mean, our job as lawyers, like you said, turn down the temperature. I mean, our job is to take the emotion out of it, right? We come to these things because you have been involved in something, and now you have these feelings. You're the client. And our job is not, we weren't there, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't have any personal stake in it other than we're getting paid and we're getting hired. Mm-hmm. And that's the point, right? Is so that we can make and tell you what the law says, make help give you advice and help you to make a decision based upon facts that may be clouded, right, by emotion. And so, but sometimes lawyers, it goes too far and mm-hmm. they don't have the understanding and, and sort of the, the emotional tie to sit there with the client and say, please tell me. I want to hear your story. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's important to me. And I'm going to take that. And that's how I'm going to try to resolve this in your favor. And I understand right. your view and I get it. And understanding what it means. Right, to that, what you. it like means what, to you. And that's kind of like, our, I think that's why I think we're better litigators, honestly, because we have a sense of, we want to understand the context. Like you have a fight with this customer. Okay, what does it mean? Like if, it, if this is one of your customers, how much of their business do you account for? And do you want to continue to do? Like we've had clients, you know, that come to us that want to sue somebody, but they think they're going to continue to do business with them after. And we're like, <laughs> uh, no, this is pretty much the end of the, yeah. when we file yeah. that lawsuit, that's yeah. the end of this relationship. <laughs> right. And like that, and it's not, you know, maybe it's not their fault. It's the, they just hadn't really thought through all the effects yeah. or the context and what, what it means. Can they pay? Do you want to just put them out of business? Is that your objective? Sometimes that is. And, they're not the, always the it's the, the principle best cases. Of it. Yeah, the principle mm-hmm. of it. But yeah, I mean, th- there's been times, example, I've been on the other side of it too, where over principle, I didn't want to settle. Right. And I thought it was grossly unfair, and I can't believe this person's doing this, and and it, they're wrong, and, and they sued for ten thousand dollars, and <laughs> which was exactly our deductible on right, our insurance, right. and. I didn't want to settle. I'm like, I can't believe we're going to pay this person for this claim. And my attorney at the time, very level head, is like, it's not worth it. Just pay it. It's the cost of doing business. And it's right. blah, blah, yeah. your time, your trouble, the money. Blah, blah. And I'm like, but it's wrong. And it sets the wrong precedent. It's the it's not <clears throat> worth it. You're never going to be happy to litigate. Even if you win, you're no, not going to be happy. But no, I would have like felt it. better, I think. I still think. <laughs> you would. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm no. here to tell you that no, you, you we brought you into this podcast yeah, today. To tell you that. Just no, to you tell wouldn't. you that you would not have been happy. <laughs> no, you All right. So yeah. No, when, when clients come in, we always talk about this, right? And clients come in and say, it's the principle of it. Like, okay, that, let me change we the charge more extra zero on that retainer. Mm-hmm. Just, because, it's, because at some point in time, you're going to have the feeling of, okay, I just... I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. Or it is. And when you continuously write those checks for yeah. the lawyers, passing the $10,000 or whatever it is you would be able to pay and be done, our view is, listen, there's times when you have to litigate. I mean, you just have to, right? Yeah. Either you get sued or there's nothing left to do but sue. But if there's a way to avoid it and try to resolve it, then great, because you're not in the business of litigating, right? You're in the business of whatever your business is, and that's how you're going to make money. And my lawyer at the time, he said, my fee is going to be ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and you, and you still minimum. want it, and you I still, still want it, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I still want it. it was so 
It's irrational thinking. And you know what? You know what got me? I'll tell you what really got me. One of the things that got me is the short version of what happened was an employee. We had tried some. Don't violate any, you know, confidentiality. No, we. Give you some advice. We tried something. (laughs) Give you some advice on the podcast here. Yeah. (laughs) We tried something and it didn't work. And we had two people that were going to lay off because this thing we tested wasn't going to go forward. So we said, okay, to the manager, you know, just lay these people off. They're both new to the company. And he goes, do that. One of them was on jury duty. So waits till the person got back from jury duty and then lay them both off. So the one that was on jury duty said they were discriminated against. We fired them because they took jury duty, even though we've had, I don't know how many people going jury, jury duty, duty all the time. Right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the, the thing that got me is I, there was an exchange between the lawyers and he forwarded me something and said, here's where we're at. And I scrolled down and I started reading and the, ex-employee's lawyer said something like, what our case lacks in merit, we have timing on our side. And I'm like, it's just enough of a reason for us to get something from you. Right. And, you know, you start a business and you build and you grow and and people take advantage. And that's what's right. Sometimes, look, sometimes you have to fight on principle because you're sending a message to somebody else, either customers or other employees or something like, you know, if an employee violates a non-compete, even though, you know, there's, you know, maybe they didn't really cause harm. Sometimes you have to make an example of them so that the next, so the next person doesn't take that approach. But usually it's not economically (laughs) beneficial. They talk me out of it. Yeah. So let's Um, talk about what Dan is doing now in this this quote unquote semi-retirement. I mean, the list of things that he's doing. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not ready to retire. And I like keeping busy and having a hand in a few things. And so I'm writing this book, Building Without Blueprints. And the thought behind it is, I, I talk to a lot of people who, I wish I started a business, I had this idea for a business, or younger people I'm scared to try or learn mm-hmm. and do. And the thought behind it is like, you don't have all the answers when you start. And right. that's okay. You don't need to know everything. The days of doing research writing a business plan and then executing that plan are long gone. I mean, it just, it's not realistic anymore. And it's a lot of it is trial and error and fail fast and fix and fail fast and and fix. And so I think that's something that holds a lot of people back from trying. And, you know, people have side gigs now where they can do at the same time as their full-time job. But I think that this book can hopefully encourage that early stage entrepreneur or that person who's thinking about starting a business, Mm -hmm. that it's okay to not know everything. It's okay to Mm -hmm. start, jump in. Now, it's not to say you can't have a well-thought-out plan and you can just willy-nilly do this, but there's somewhere in a happy medium where I have have a good business idea. I think I can do this. And you got to do a lot of learning as you go. It's kind of like the uh, building the airplane in the air type thing. But right, sometimes if you're you could suffer from paralysis analysis. You can mm-hmm. like find, a, there's always a million reasons not to do the thing that you're talking about, starting yeah. the business or whatever. There's some, and especially like us, we are trained to to look for problems. Like that's our, you know, as lawyer, us, meaning Brett and I, it's our job to find problems and solve problems. And so any, someone comes to me with a proposal, I can find a dozen risks, mm-hmm. but I think, and a true entrepreneur like you, and your in your book, you're like, well, I'll deal with the risks when they when they come up. If I'm just focused on the risks, I'll never 
focus on the rewards. Yeah. So it's timing. The timing isn't right. This isn't yeah, good. There's always I've an excuse. Just had a kid. Right. I just about right. to get married. Yeah. There's right. always well, a reason not yeah. to. Well, right. people ask me, like when I started my firm, and I'm sure the same for you, Brett, I started getting questions. What about this? What about this? And I was like, mm, I haven't really <laughs> yeah. thought of those things. Yeah. And, thank, and I don't know if it was ignorance or just optimism that I was just like, yeah, it, it was, failure wasn't even on the you know horizon. What if this goes wrong or that goes wrong? It, those things never even entered my mind. And I, I don't know if that's optimism or ignorance, but it doesn't really matter. It's, oh, maybe I mean, it's entrepreneurialism and that's yeah, part of what it is. Ignorance. I mean, listen, you had you have a plan or a general direction and a plan, plan and an idea. Very... <laughs> yeah, but it's a well, you an did, idea, right? right? You had an idea, you had a general direction, you had a general plan like I did. Right. And you'll fill in the gaps as you go. Right. And you're gonna some of it was some mistakes were made along the way, yeah. but nothing fatal because it was you it was with each decision, there was thought process, right? And you figure it out. For you two, you, I'm a good lawyer. I'm, I'm confident in my ability to right. be a lawyer and get clients. But then you had to figure out the business side. Right. And that's a whole other Which skill nobody set. nobody tells you how you to do. You don't learn that at all. At You're all. right. <laughs> you can learn. You can, I mean, I work, we have three different law firms between the two of us, or four, if we collude, like internships and stuff. Mm-hmm. And no. we never saw a piece of that, ever, you know? It, and Until I mean, being a lawyer, I think is one thing, but that goes for just about any, everybody. Any, I'm, right, I'm a good graphic business. designer, really great at designing, right, but right. I don't know anything about accounting, right, I don't know anything right. about marketing or where I get my bank account or and all those things. Obviously, hiring how to get employees, right? Hire employees, how yeah. to, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, human resources and dealing with that. I mean, all of that stuff. You know, you it, there's things even today. There's things that we're like, wait, oh, what? <laughs> Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, we yeah. got to deal with it, you yeah. know? And so it, but, but you're right. There is a certain mindset that people have to get over. And I was just talking to actually somebody about this. Like fear is an emotion. It is not reality. It is an emotion. Mm-hmm. Danger, right, is real. And then you have to assess the danger and the level of the danger. Oh, I like to that. Get around that. That's but the fear good. is just an emotion, right? So Agreed. if like you it. can, and how do you get over fear? And that is you can plan, you can educate yourself you can, to get through the danger and all this stuff. So that's kind of how I've tried to do it. I think we've tried to do it is like sit down and say, okay, well, what's the challenge in front of us? What's the issue? And we just try to work through it. But yeah, you can't know everything. You can't. No. But it, nor, I, nor should you want to. Yes. Right? True. That's part of the journey and the process. If you could figure it out at the end, then day one, what, day one would be the day you opened it, and mm-hmm. day two would be the day you'd sell it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you, you, it's perfect. Everything is right. I have solved this, all the problems. I, I have this perfect business that I built on day one. Mm-hmm. Now I can sell it on day two. <laughs> right? Yeah. That, it takes time to go through the different machinations of it and, and figure it out to get to a point. It's not going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. If you can get to that point, then someone's probably already done it anyways. Like yeah. if you get to where you've solved, all, identified all the blind spots right. and all the problems and solved everything well, then your issue is not so novel. I mean, I would, right. right. I mean, you mentioned Elon Musk, right? I would imagine even, even the great Elon Musk would say that his, none of his companies are perfect. Sure. Well, yeah. Maybe his, no company. Maybe his ideas, maybe his brain power, you know, <laughs> maybe those are perfect, but maybe not. His <laughs> companies are not, they're not, right? There's yeah. things that have to be addressed all the time. Good stuff, man. I love this. Now, Dan, we, uh, we haven't even scratched the surface with you. We're going we're gonna to have to bring you back for sure. All right. Hey, Brett, is, are you okay with that? Can I am. Bring Dan I'm, back? Yeah. All right. I just want to make sure I got I, we, we have approved. It's unanimous. Okay. We're bringing enough. you back. I know well, this I mean, is Nelson. all that Nelson, we should Nelson. Ask Nelson. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please show us some gratitude by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with your friends and family. Subscribe and save, and we'll see you next time. Subscribe and save. That's like it. Uh, are we <laughs> are Costco? Are we, are we, are we, I'm on Amazon. Subscribe and save. Well, subscribe and save us. Save us from the agony of not having many subscribers. Oh, well done, like Jeffrey. See you next time. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Thanks Dan. guys. Nelson, thank Enjoyed you. It. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.